0: Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org That's what we're all about, following Jesus and changing the world. And uh, one of the ways in which we attempt to follow Jesus is to get into his word and hear what he has to say to our hearts. So why don't we um, open our Bibles, if you've got one with you, um, in Matthew's Gospel and chapter 25. If you haven't got one with you, beg, borrow, steal one next to you. Um, And uh, if you need it on your smartphone, that's cool. Just don't play Angry Birds or Candy Crush or anything like that. We'll be uh, cool about the whole thing and uh, just get open Matthew's Gospel in chapter 25. And we're in the middle of a series that we have call parables because we're in the parables of Jesus. We're taking a look at what Jesus has to say about your life and what he has to say about my life, his perspective and his view because he's got a take on your life. And, and before we read the parable, I want to set expectations uh, because I think that's fair. I, I like it when I know what's expected of me and I hope that you do too. So here's the expectation. We're gonna read the word of God, I'm gonna speak, God's gonna speak. When God speaks, he's gonna change lives. That's what he does. When God changes lives, you're gonna leave here different, some of you. Some of you are gonna come to know Jesus tonight for the first time, because that's what he does when he encounters people, he draws people to himself. Some of you are thinking, not me, thank you very much. Well, just wait, let's see what happens. Some of you are going to come away from this place healed because that's what God does. He, he heals people's lives. He changes stuff physically, emotionally, spiritually. That's what's going to happen. Some of you are going to come away really challenged because God has spoken a deep truth into your life that so awakens something that you knew before, but actually here is a, a, a defining moment for you when you're going to say, yes, God, I'm up for that. We believe the word of God is living and active. It's going to do something. And the reason I want to set expectation is because actually Jesus sets expectation. This parable we're going to to read, which is known as the parable of the talents, is all about Jesus setting expectation. He's saying, hey, I'm about to go away. He's about a week away from, um, uh, from his crucifixion. He's on his way into Jerusalem. He's going to die on a cross in our place for our rebellion, for our rejection, for our sin, for everything that we we wish we'd never done. And then a few days later, he's going to rise again from the dead, and he's going to conquer all that stuff. All the death, all the sin, all the hell, all Satan. He's going to conquer all that kind of stuff. And for those of us who would trust him and stand our weight upon him, he's going to offer a new way of being, a new life in all It's fullness. And then he's going to go back to be with the Father. And he's about seven weeks away from that when he tells this story. And this story is all about Jesus just setting expectation. This is how I want you to posture. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to walk with me, if you're going to in any way own my name, this is how I want you to posture at the church while I'm away for a while. Here's the deal. So let's read together. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. Again Jesus says, verse 14. It'll be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents and to another one talent, each according to his ability. So you need to understand that a talent was an awful lot of money. In the whole of Judea and Samaria in that day All the taxes that were raised in order to go to Rome were about 600 talents. So even one talent is a whole stack of money. And Jesus says, there's this rich guy. He's investing. He's handing on to his servants a whole stack of money. Then he went on his journey. The man who'd received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more, but the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of these servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five master. He said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness." That the man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I'd not sown and gathered where I'd not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he, who, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus says, hey, look, I'm the king, and I'm going away. I'm going away for what might be a long time. I'm going to die for you and I'm going to rise again and I'm going to go up to heaven and I'm going away but I'm leaving you behind and if you're going to be faithful, there's certain things that you've got to understand. I want you to invest heavily in my stuff with everything that I've given to you. But be aware of this, there is coming a moment, a time when I am going to return and I'm going to want return on investment. That's what I'm going to want. So, we're setting expectations. I've invested in you. Jesus is like holding a mirror up to our lives. And he's saying, check it out. This is you. I'm the king. The guys that have been invested in, that's you. Some of you got five, some of you got two, some of you got one. That's just arbitrary. That's just the way it is. That's the way I've chosen to make it happen. It's not that you're better or worse. It's just that's the way it is. I have given you incredible things, and I've poured them into your life. And what I'm looking for is for you to invest them well into my stuff. It's because there's coming a moment when I'm going to return, and I'm going to want a return on my investment. Guys, you have got some stuff. And some of you here are thinking, I've not got much stuff, you know, I don't own a lot. I haven't learned a lot yet. I haven't got many friends. Some of you haven't got many friends. You know, just there's a whole bunch of stuff. You're thinking, I haven't got a lot of stuff. And you're comparing it with other people's stuff and you're saying, well, I haven't got much stuff. Let me tell you, you have. You've got loads. You've got a whole bunch of capitals. Some of you have got um, a stack of, that's supposed to be a pound sign, a stack of financial capital. All of you have. I mean, some of you think I'm not very rich, I'm a student, I've got loads of debt, my parents aren't very rich. Actually, you're loaded. I mean, you really are, you've got loads. Have I spelled that wrong? Finan, yeah. There you go. That's got- we'll talk about intellectual capital in just a moment. <laughs> some of you thinking, I haven't got a lot of, actually, you are amongst the 2% of the richest people in the world. You've got loads of stuff you know i haven't got a lot of stuff i don't own a lot of stuff but i am rich beyond belief you have got stuff that you're supposed to invest some of us have got intellectual capital <laughs> i was i was saying that this morning and as i looked out and i was speaking about intellectual capital i noticed about where nick guy is sitting was my theology lecturer when i did my masters in the theology and i thought i better not talk about intellectual capital because i once wrote an essay I was tired and emotional, but I wrote an essay in which I suggested that in 1612 at the Synod of Dort, John Calvin said, and he wrote in the margin in red, John Calvin had been dead for over 50 years, you idiot. (laughs) And some of you are thinking, you know, you haven't got a lot of intellectual capital. But you have, you know, this is an incredibly intelligent group of people. You're amongst the the top percentage of people in this world. You have so much intelligence. You have so much experience in life. And God says, I gave that to you so you can invest it. All of us have got some physical capital. Some of us don't think we have as much as we used to have. But you have, some of you are very fit, some of you not so much. You know, you are, you know, honestly, just between you and me and nobody else, I still think that when England are doing bad at football, I could do a job for them. I do, you know, I think, you know, how hard could that be? I can still run up and down, I could take a few people out, it'll be fine. Take a few people out, that's not what you're supposed to do in football, is it? But you know what I mean? You think you've got some physical capital, you've got time, you've got energy, you've got skills and you've got abilities, you've got stuff that God has given to you to invest. All of us in some way, shape or form have got some relational capital. Some of us have got more than others. You know who you are. You're the people that people just hang around with. You're really friendly, people like you. Others not so much, but you know, you're just, you've, you've you've got that kind of stuff going on. All of us have got some of that stuff in our lives and God says, look, here's the thing. I have given this stuff to you so that you can wait well and you can invest well in my stuff. And here's the thing you need to know. None of this is yours. None of this do you own. The master comes to his servants and he gives them his property. None of this is yours. You just have it on loan. You're just using it for the king. And and, and as the the, uh, Hebrews were listening to this story, they were thinking, we know all about this because they knew that God had set the deal up right at the beginning of time that he had given them a world and he'd given them an incredible place to live, he'd given them incredible things to do and he'd said to them, I own this stuff, I'm the creator of it and you become my managers, my stewards, you're the ones who look after the garden, you get to create some stuff, you get to play with some stuff, you get to name some stuff, you get to cultivate it, you get to look after it and you get to manage it, you get to play with all this stuff and it's an incredible blessing but you do not own it, the master owns it and one day he's coming Back for a return on his investment. The greatest problem of our world at the very beginning of time was when we started to think we owned the stuff that we were only managing. We're supposed to hold everything like this and give it away freely and generously, but we began to hold it like this and say, "This belongs to us. It's mine. It belongs to me. I've got the title deeds. It's it, it's mine." And God says, "No, no, 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 no. You're just supposed to be a manager of it and a steward of it." And when you begin to hold things like this, they begin to hold you. And you think that by owning stuff, you're going to get some freedom. Actually, by owning stuff, you're going to find yourself bound and you're going to find yourself increasingly suffocated by having to manage the stuff that you think you own for your own benefit. But if you will invest in the kingdom of God, if you will say God owns all this stuff, then there's a radically different way of viewing things. And if that's true, there's some really crazy, counterintuitive things that are also true. It means that the house you live in, whether or not you think you own it or you think the bank owns it or you think your parents own it, none of them do. It belongs to Jesus. He owns it. And suddenly you're free to use it for his glory and for his purposes. It means the family that you have, whether you think that family is good or bad or indifferent, whatever it is, it's not your family. They're not your kids. They belong to Jesus. And you just get to manage and steward that and, and look after it and have it on loan for a while. Uh, and then you get to open it up so that other people who don't have family can be included in family. And it's a very beautiful thing. It also means this, this body that you have, that you think that is yours, you can do with it whatever you want. You can put into it whatever you want. You cannot not exercise with it because it's your body. Who's going to tell you what to do? No, 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 mistake. It belongs to God. He's given you this thing so you would get through this life, so you would carry the things you're supposed to carry. And do the things that you're supposed to do for His glory, and one day He's coming back for return on investment. It means that the idea that you've got that you think is your idea and you're precious about and you're protecting it, it's not your idea. It's God's idea. He's the owner. You're just the steward. And there is something incredibly freeing when you begin to realize that none of this stuff is your stuff it's just all on loan and you get to use it and invest it for the glory of God because it belongs to Him. This return on investment thing it's an ownership issue but but it's also a, a significance issue It's not about about the size of something, it's about the significance of it. Let's just deal with this. You may have heard the phrase, it's not the size that counts, but what you do with it. Let's let's park that over here, just for a moment, and then let's redeem that phrase, um, because it's true. It's not the size of the thing, it's what you do with it that counts. It's the significance, and the moment you read this parable, you begin to compare You begin to say, you know, this guy got five and I only got two and this person's got one and it's not fair because I got one and they got three and they got five and that person seems more gifted than me and that person's more intelligent than me. That person gets friends and I don't find friends very easy and all that kind of stuff. And in a community like this particularly with a whole bunch of people of the same kind of age and stage, it's really easy to do the comparison game and it's a stupid game. Because it's not God's game. He says, you know, I've given people different things different amounts different responsibilities they will be answerable for what they have comparison is foolish do you know I, w- I did a wedding yesterday and uh, a w- wedding scottish weddings are great things i absolutely love them but there's something that you need to know about scottish weddings um men in scottish weddings do this comparison thing just saying it's called kilt envy you ever seen it Hello. See, I've got a really good kilt, but I've seen some better ones. And you got someone else? Goes, I like your kilt, like, Yeah, nice tartan. Yeah, it's a uh, McGregor subset of you know, hunting tartan. You know? <laughs> and you go. Oh gosh, I really wish I had some of that. And I shouldn't have spent so much money on the one I got. And and then kil- kilts, great. The worst is sporran envy. Have you seen that? <laughs> Honestly, I've been to I've been to weddings. And, I mean, my sporran is okay. It's just. I mean, it's, it's just seal. It's nothing particularly special. It's kind of bog standard. You get it from any kind of kilt shop. But I have seen some some sporans with great long, great big long horsehair things. You've seen those? Like, kind of. <laughs> Let's be very careful here. Kind of, <laughs> and I'm walking like, how? Oh, wow, I want your sporan. You know, kind of in like that kind of camp. Like a sporran kind of thing you're doing. But I went to one wedding where it was ridiculous. You know, honestly, there was one guy who had three fox tails on his sporran that were hanging down like this, hollow, and then another guy walked behind him and he had actually a badger's head. I'm serious. No word of a lie, no exaggeration. He had like a badger's head. And it was a real taxidermy stuffed badger's head thing. I was waiting for a guy to come around with a rhino horn or an elephant or something. You know, kind of. Oh, park that there as well. Redeem that later on. But I was, honestly, all this kind of envy stuff. It's just a piece of nonsense and we do it all the time. You're smarter than me. Well, that's not fair. You, I wish I was your dress size. I wish I had your money. I wish I was rich like you. I wish. It's all right for them, it usually starts. Because they had a great start in life. Smarter, funnier, thinner, richer. You did it when you walked in to this room, probably. And it's a waste of time and energy. The real question is this, what are you doing with what you've been given? What is in your hand? What is in your hand? Because nobody in this story got zero talents. Everyone got one. And Jesus is kind of flipping the whole cultural thing and he's saying hey it's not about being successful you know it, it, it's going to be an amazing thing if you gain more relational capital I mean if this goes from a three to a five that's a really cool thing because you're going to build more relationships with people you're going to love more people you're going to have more people in your life that you can impact for the kingdom of God that's a really important thing it's going to be great if you get more physical capital if you, you, know, I, I agreed the other day to run the Copenhagen Marathon it was a stupid thing in a comparison moment but I did. You know, it's going to be a good thing if I get fit so I can serve better, if I can be fitter so I can run around more. It's going to be great. It's going to be, a really, it's going to be better if I get intellectual. If you get some more intellectual capital, you get smarter so you can really understand the deep things of God. Or you can get better at business so you can help redeem business. Or you, or you can get better at finance so you can make a stack load of cash for the king. That's going to be good. All this stuff is going to be just an incredible thing. But here's the thing. What have you got in your hand? are you given? I mean, stop looking. Stop looking to use the thing that somebody else has got. Stop, stop being uh, comparing yourself with someone else. Stop being jealous. What's your best contribution? With an honest appraisal, you know, in, in, with the best will in the world, what can I give? What can I use? What can I achieve? Downhill with the wind on a great day. What can I use for the kingdom of God? See, you may have one, but it can very easily become two if you invest it right. You may have two, but it can very easily become four if you invest it right. You may have five, it can become ten if you invest it right. parable doesn't say this, but if you've got 20, it can become 40 if you invest it right. But the door that says more is found at the back of a room that's called what is in your hand. The, the, the room is not called if only I was carrying what they're carrying. Because that room is a room of misery. It's a room of judgment, it's a room of competition, it's a room of jealousy, and it will prevent you doing what God is calling you to do. He's looking for a return on investment. And notice this, if, if God has given you a five, that, then what he's wanting is a 100% investment. If God has given you a three, what he's wanting is 100% investment. If God's given you a one, he's wanting a 100% investment. He's not saying, well, God's, I've I've given you a five. If you give me four, you can keep one back in case it's a rainy day, in case the four doesn't happen very well. No, 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 no. It's all in or it's nothing. In other words, when the bag comes around and you put your money in on a Sunday and you do that that thing, that is not you saying, I'm going to give God 10% and everything else I just get to look after for myself and have a party. That's you saying, God... This is a symbol of my availability for you to take all my financial stuff and my intellectual stuff and you use it for your glory because I am not the owner. You're the owner. I'm the steward of this stuff. Would you come? I'm all in. I'm all in. It's not about size. It's about significance. Final thought. This return on investment is a question of investment. Investment. Jesus is the most progressive economist the world has ever seen. And what he says is something really cool. He doesn't say, would you sit on your stuff because the king's coming back. In fact, he seems to suggest that sin is often doing nothing. the one who is condemned is condemned because he buried his stuff. Which in other words means we're supposed to speculate with our stuff. We're supposed to go for it. We're supposed to have a go. I don't get any impression that Jesus is going to condemn us for having a go, whether or not we get it right. It seems that Jesus might be condemning us for burying it in the ground and saying, I was scared of you, I didn't want to do much with it, oh, I just shut it down and I, I waited until you came back. It seems that he is gonna condemn us for being protectionists when we should be investors. Don't waste your life, spend your life, give your life, invest your life. Don't tie up your life, don't hide your life away or bury your life, invest your life. Don't, don't bury your life in a huge mortgage and a ridiculous busyness and a stifling religiosity. Do you know, if I have a word for you if you're young here, don't bury your life in a huge mortgage and a ridiculous busyness and a stifling religiosity. Don't bury your life in doing church. When the call of the kingdom of God is for you to be church. Church. And sometimes it doesn't look an awful lot like doing church and hanging out in church. It looks like being the people of God, investing everything we have in his kingdom. Stop protecting stuff you can't protect. And invest it. Don't grip it. Give it. I love that verse in Ecclesiastes where apparently the wisest man in the world says this. Cast your bread upon the waters. In other words, don't, don't hold it close. Don't hold your rice close. Set it off for market. Spread it wide. Put it to portions, seven or eight. Do that because you don't know whether it's going to work. It's not a sure thing. You don't know whether that investment's gonna work or this investment's gonna work or that investment's gonna work. You don't know whether this one's gonna come back to you or that one's gonna bomb. You don't know whether that ship's gonna sink or that ship's gonna sail. You've got no idea whether that investment in that market is gonna work. You just don't know. It's okay not to know. Speculate with what God has given to you. Go for it. Take a risk. Invest speculatively. Guys, don't bury your stuff. God's given you dreams, he's given you people, he's given you ability, he's given you intellect, he's given you finances. What a boring life if you just bury it in the ground and wait till Jesus returns. Go for it. He's given you creativity, he's given you passions, he's given you a vision. Would you run with it? Because one day he's coming back for a return on investment. I made you beautiful in your season. I gave you dreams and I'm expecting to get a return. How do you invest well? I don't know. Two thoughts. Firstly, you you need to have confidence in the character of the king. The, the, The final servant, basically he's scared of the king. He says, do you know what, I was scared of you, I thought you were some kind of cross between Alan Sugar and Alex Ferguson or something like that, and I was just scared of you, I thought you were gonna kill me if I didn't, so I just buried it in the ground. and, And the first two guys, they know that, they know that Jesus is just, but they also know that he's loving. They know that the Father is righteous, but they also know that he's a dad. They say, I trust trust you if I invest well, even if I make a mistake, it's going to be okay. You need to trust the character of the king who is for you, not against you. And secondly, you and I have got to be smart about this. How do we invest? Well, we need to invest in line with the king's investment portfolio. So how would the king invest? Well, 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 I would think he would invest in his kingdom. What does his kingdom look like? Well, his kingdom looks like good news to the poor. So Jesus says, you know what? I invest in poor people. I I I want homeless people to have a home. I want addicted people to have an opportunity to get off their addictions. I want people who can't pay to have the money paid for. I I I want poor people to have good news spoken to them. So that's what I'm investing you in because that's how it rolls prisoners they get released in this kingdom of God so Jesus says you know what I'm investing in I'm investing in prisoners I'm investing in people who are bound both both physically and emotionally I'm investing in people who can't find a way out that's what I'm doing are you in or are you not I'm investing in people who are brokenhearted, people who who are shattered, their dreams are shattered. I'm investing in those kind of people. That's what I do. That's how I roll. Are you in or you are not in? Because this is the investment plan of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's why I've given you this stuff so that you might invest in it. I'm investing in beauty because I love beauty. I'm investing in creativity and passion because I love creativity and passion. I'm investing in this city because I love this city because the kingdom of God starts in a garden but it always ends in a city. So I love cities. I'm investing in this city. This is for that. Therefore, everything that we do here needs to make, a sense, make sense out there and make a difference out there. I'm investing in beauty and creativity. Are you in? Because that's where I am. I'm investing in justice and peace. Peace. And righteousness, and young people, and old people, and every kind of people. In fact, I'm always investing up. I'm always investing. I'm always taking this thing which seems to be flipped the wrong way in this world that we live in where we value this stuff, financial and emotional, capital above anything else. And I'm investing up. I'm taking finances and I'm investing it up in people. I'm taking intellect and I'm investing it right up in people. I'm taking physical ability and I'm investing it right up in people. Because what I'm after is a spiritual return on investment. Are you with me? Are you in? Because that's what I'm doing. One day I'm coming back. One day I'm coming back. And I want to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servants. You, you took the stuff that I had given you to look after. And you didn't sit on it. You multiplied it. So the kingdom of God came in every way it can possibly come. One final thought. This is an issue of eternity. It's not just an issue of the here and now. This is an issue of forever. We, we don't talk about this too much, but maybe we should talk about it a little bit more. Jesus is coming back. That's what that parable says. He's, he is coming back. And he's coming back so that those who know him and have invested in his kingdom, might share in his happiness. That's what the parable says. And he's coming back so that those who didn't invest well and don't know him properly and don't understand who he is might not share in his happiness. Guys, listen. If you don't know the king and you're not expecting him to return, that's a really serious deal. Because one day you're going to see him face to face, whether he comes to meet you or you go to meet him, same deal. And you're going to meet him face to face, and he's going to say something like this I invested everything in you. All my capital was sent when I sent Jesus, it was sent. I sent him for you so that you would know me, so that you would walk with me, so that you might have life in all its fullness, so that you might be forgiven, and so that you might invest in all my stuff. What did you do with it? What did you do with it? I sent my son to die on a cross to set you right with me. What did you do with it? And and in that moment, that will be the only question That will be the only question. And in the story of investment, whether we're challenged about our finances or we're challenged about our intellect or we're challenged about our physicality and what we're doing with our bodies or whether we're challenged about our relationships and how we're dealing with those, this is the big challenge. What are you doing with the king and his return? Because he's here. Do you know, when I first started to preach when I was much younger, my dad was, my dad was also a preacher and he would give me advice every now and again, and honestly, I was absolutely rubbish as a preacher, and I, would, um, I, I didn't know much about God, so I just wanted to tell everyone what I knew about God, and uh, when I started to preach, I would, I would preach for four minutes, because that's all I knew about God, and then I would preach it again, because I thought it wasn't long enough nowadays people are wishing i'd just shut up but i would just i preach it and i preach it again and i remember preaching at this youth event and it was it was loads of people maybe 200 or so young people and it was going great you know i was telling funny stories people were laughing it was great i wasn't inappropriate in those days it was fantastic and and i got to the stage when when you know when you do the thing people are laughing people are crying and i I said everyone here who needs to know jesus because honestly guys that's the deal We'll do a whole bunch of other stuff. We'll do a whole bunch of talking about a whole bunch of things in, in these next few weeks. We'll talk about money, and we'll talk about relationships, and we'll talk about work, and we'll talk about how you, a whole, but, but the thing is what you know about Jesus. Because he is the creator of all things, and he's the savior of the world. And, and, I, and I got to that moment when I said, everyone who needs to come to know Jesus, just come to the front. I'd seen it happen before, it always worked. But it didn't. And nobody came to the front. I rang my dad up and I said, Dad, you know? He said, how did it go? I said, it was brilliant. I was funny. It was great. Everyone was laughing. And then I gave this thing and I said, everyone come to the front. No one came. I just felt gutted. And it was the only time in my ministry relationship with him when he really ripped into me. There were plenty of other times when he ripped into me. But on this occasion. He said, Carl, you need to know this. It is none of your business it is none of your business. Your business is to be faithful with what God has given to you. Your business is to be faithful with what God has given to you. My business is to bring the fruit. You be faithful. And do you know what? That freed me up. Freed me up massively to be audacious and bold and to say at the very beginning of the sermon there are some people who are going to get saved tonight. And there are some people who are going to get healed tonight because it's not my business, it's his business. And he's always in that kind of business. And so, as we close uh, this evening, we've had an encounter with God. And as we close this evening, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to know the Savior of the world. Whether you have um, been here hundreds of times and you're, you're kind of a Christian who needs to get saved, do you know what I mean? Now, you, you know the stuff, but you've never said, yes, Lord, I'm in, I'm all in. Uh, all my stuff, all my ambitions, all my dreams, I'm in. Or, or whether you've only been here a few times and you're saying, actually, I don't really understand everything that guy said, but I, I've known that God's been speaking through my heart and I want to come to know the Savior of the world because there's coming a day when he's going to meet me face to face and I'm going to want to be on his team. He loves me and he died for me. Every head is going to be bowed right now and we're going to pray. So let's, let's pray. Let's close our eyes, let's pray. And in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond if God has been saying other things to you this evening about investment. But for right now, it's just the guys that know they need to come to know Jesus. They need to get right with him. Because he's the king and he's coming back. So in the quietness, as every head is bowed, if you know you need to come to know Jesus, why don't you just, it's just me and Jesus watching why don't you just put your hand up and I'd love to pray for you. If you need to come to know Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One or two of you more in the the gallery. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Keep your hand up. That's great. Thank you. Bless you. Let me just pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come right now. I pray that you would meet these guys, come into their hearts, not only be their friend, but be their leader, their Lord, and their Savior. And Father, I pray that as they give their lives to you, that they would know your presence and your power, your leading and your calling. And that from this moment onwards, Let's just stay in that place for a moment because there are some others of us who need to do some business with what. You know, often, I I would often pray a wheat and chaff prayer, I call it. It's, um, at its best, it's a way of saying, you know, I'm just a fleshy preacher who makes a whole bunch of mistakes and, you know, when I preach, God speaks, but is everything I say God? No, sometimes God doesn't want to endorse some parts of it. Because it's fleshy. But very often, God is speaking incredible truth because He loves these moments. And so, some of us, God's just been challenging, hasn't He? He's been saying, you know, what are you doing with the stuff that I've lent to you? How are you carrying that stuff? I have blessed you beyond belief. How are you investing it? What are you risking in my name? And some of us have to do some business with that. And others of us have spent most of our lives just comparing ourselves with everybody else and excusing ourselves because of it. And the Holy Spirit, with all gentleness, says, will you stop it? Because it is ridiculous. I give, I take away. I help you increase. I can remove things from you. But would you stop looking at other people and asking for their thing and would you start looking at what is in your hand and investing with it so I'm going to do something quite bold if you know that you have some stuff that God has invested in your life that you haven't invested but you want to say I'm in today you really haven't been investing it you've been hoarding it you've been burying it you're saying today I want to invest properly in the king and in his kingdom and God's been speaking to your heart and would you just stand and I'd love to pray for you if you know that's you, if you know the stuff that you haven't invested, thank you, just stand I'd love to pray for you, no shame in this we could probably all do it thank you yes Lord yes Lord Brilliant. wherever you are wherever you are now here's the thing we're the body of Christ we're the family of God's people so um, actually we're all, we're all in this stuff all of us at different stages have had to say that's me would you just maybe turn to someone who's standing and it, appropriately please just lay a hand on them and let's pray the blessing of God shall we do that? let's do it it's not me doing the ministry you do the ministry you do the stuff pray the blessing of God pray the strength of God, pray the ability of God to invest, pray the creativity of God, just go for it. You can pray out loud, it's allowed. You can do it, just go for it. Thank you, Lord. not rush this this is important Hmm. thank you here's the thing I'd love you to do if you've been standing I I would love you before you leave this building today to find somebody that you know and tell them what it is that God was saying to you And the reason that that's important is that when you articulate it, you become accountable for it. Okay? One final thought. There are some of you here who have spent an awful lot of your life wasting your life comparing yourself with other people. And you thought, I'm not the right dress size, I haven't got the right abilities, I didn't go to the right school, I, I wasn't educated in the right way, I, whatever it was, or I had these experiences in life and I wish I was and I should have had, and, and actually the Holy Spirit wants to do two things today. He wants to stop that in its tracks and he wants to show you how much he loves you. He made you you and he gave you the talents that he's given you and you're supposed to invest those things for his kingdom. And size is not important. Significance is important. And faithfulness is absolutely what he calls you to. And some of us need to stand because that's us. So if that's you, why don't you stand right now? We want to deal with it and we'll pray over it. Okay? I stand now. Thank you. Let's do it. Do it. Too much comparing. Let's do it. Come on, there are more of you than that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Good. Okay. Let's do the same thing. Let's pray for our brothers and our sisters. Let's pray that the Lord would break off that spirit of comparing with one another. Let's do it. Let's pray for freedom. Freedom to run with the dreams that God's placed in your heart. Freedom. Let's do it. Thank you, Lord. That's good. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. The band are going to come and they're going to lead us in, in worship. Keep praying. Let's do it. Make sure that no one's left out. There are people standing who are not being prayed for. This is the body of Christ ministering to each other. If, if, if you're not being prayed for, make sure you are. Grab someone and say, pray for me. Let's do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now here's, this is very important that you listen to this. We're going to spend some time worshipping Jesus. We'd love to do that. As we worship Jesus... He's going to continue to do some stuff in our lives. There are one or two of you who who said yes to Jesus today. You put your hand up. Um, It's really, really important. Listen carefully. It's really important that you find your way over to my right and to your left to speak to one of our prayer team because they want to help you in introducing you to Jesus. We don't want to leave you there. We want to help you in walking with Jesus. There are others of you who need to go further with some of the stuff that we've been talking about you're still living in competition and comparison, Jesus doesn't want that for you, then there's a great opportunity to go and be prayed for around dealing with some of that stuff. There are some of us that are dealing with um, sickness and addictions, and we believe that God heals people, so we'd love to pray for you around that stuff, because none of this should debilitate us from investing in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So we're going to pray for you. Our prayer team are over to my right and to your left. Just go quickly because there's going to be lots of people wanting to be prayed for. And we're going to spend the time worshipping Jesus who is the king who is coming back. Let's worship him.